The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. We're joining you here today from Salem, New Hampshire, and we have a very special guest with us. We have Barbara Bookmeyer from Missouri, and she is an expert on all things positive herding. I was super interested in her platform. She has authored a few books that we're going to talk about. But first, we're going to start with the quirky tip of the day. Oh, I stole his pig. We should have had a squeaky sheep on for this one. We kind of dropped the ball. All right, my quirky tip is Barbara's newest book, and it is called Enrichment Games for High Energy Dogs. I downloaded this on Kindle. I would highly recommend you guys get the paperback version of it. I love all the exercises. It'd be super great to be able to leaf through, even maybe take some notes with it. But I was super excited how some of the exercises were more advanced for dogs that may have had some preliminary training, and really some interesting stuff that you can like mentally stretch your dogs with at home. So that is my quirky tip. If you have not already picked it up, Enrichment Games for High Energy Dogs by Barbara Bookmeyer. Barbara, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your background in dogs and then kind of how you journeyed into this positive herding sector, because you're kind of a solo stance here. This isn't a big, (laughs) this isn't a big community. I'm really interested. (laughs) Yeah. Kind of a lone ranger out here. Yeah. Um, I started with uh, golden retrievers and then I raised a guiding eye, a black lab and got into more golden retrievers, obedience. And we moved onto a farm, met my husband, moved on to a farm, and I got an Australian shepherd who was afraid of everything. So I ended up getting a border collie puppy. And, you know, I thought, well, this would be so cool, it, you know, to learn how to herd. And so I started working with her. And uh, how that went was uh, a friend told me, Every time you move, you go the wrong direction. So that was kind of like the basis for my start. And I think it is for most people because so much is going on. It's like overwhelming. But I persevered and we were living in upstate New York on a dairy at that time. We then moved to Missouri and eventually started a dairy here. But I got hooked up with a man locally, and he was a traditional trainer, and I took lessons uh, from him once a week with another friend. And um, I learned herding, traditional herding, but I kept, you know, you'd see things in the dogs and you'd think, uh, you know, there must be a better way to do this. And finally, I felt I needed to do something. And I actually, I, I won an open trial, and I just felt like, well, do I want to try and run with big dogs or do I want to do something different? And I really couldn't get away every weekend and I really didn't want to do that. So I thought, well, there must be a better way. Maybe, you know, I'll go online. And I did. And I found balance training. And so I was a balance trainer for like two or three days until I realized that probably wasn't the best way. And so I got into positive training and just started from scratch. And I picked up a clicker and I said, how hard can this be? And boy, was I going to find out. (laughs) And I had a lot of people tell me, oh, it's impossible. You can't train herding positively. 
But the breakthrough came, I was working with my dogs. I had two older dogs that were traditionally trained and I had a younger dog and I couldn't get my younger dog to take treats. But of course I was only like 15 feet from the sheep. And so I was sitting on a milk crate because we had dairy and I had these, you know, I had hamburger, I had great treats. And I'm, I'm just sitting there thinking. And one of my older dogs came over and sniffed around. And I said, oh, would you like a treat? And she's like, yeah. And so I called my other dog over. Well, she would eat also. And so I said, okay, it's possible. I'm just, you know, I just don't know what I'm doing. So I just started taking courses and the real breakthrough came. I went to uh, some Bob Bailey and Parveen Farhoudi chicken workshops. And that was like the light came on and, and Kay Lawrence had always said, yes, it's possible, but um you know, it's really hard to come up with a new way that, you know, when people tell you what you're doing is impossible. Yeah. Well, and uh, especially with one of the longest standing dog sports out there, we touched on it a little bit before we started recording, but I mean, herding has changed a lot just in the last few decades. It's just not as popular as it used to be. And it's certainly not used as functionally, but yes, people were very ingrained and this is how we do it. And this is how the dog learns. And this is the only way it will work. So tell us a little bit about how you introduce the foundational stuff away from the sheep, because I think that's a key component to not setting the dogs up to fail right from the get-go. Exactly. Well, I start out with just getting the dog to engage with me when they can see sheep or smell sheep. And even even before that, just general uh, distraction training. You know, can the dog do it when I shake a tug in front of their face? You know, because for most herding dogs, movement is just like, you know, drives them crazy. They just get so focused, they can't think. And so I start with engagement. Can you take a treat? Can you tug with me with sheep in the distance? And I keep moving closer and closer to pen sheep. I like to start with pen sheep because most dogs want to control movement. And if the sheep are in a small pen, the dog understands they don't have to worry about the sheep getting away. So you've eliminated that problem. They're overwhelmed enough already. So let's you know eliminate as many problems as we can. So we get them, I bring them closer and closer as, as they're capable. And eventually they can be right near the sheep. They can tug, they can take a treat. Then we start over or we incorporate it along the way. Well, can you sit when I ask you? Can you back up? Can you lie down? Can you heal with me and come near the sheep? And so that's the next thing I work on. So basically I'm just doing obedience things initially till they can do it near sheep. And then I start teaching the skills I get away from the sheep and I start teaching skills with cones and a flirt pole because uh, for most herding dogs, they see that squirrel or rat on the end of a flirt pole, which a flirt pole is a long pole with a that's usually flexible with a long string, like a lunge whip with a toy on the end. But boy, you move that toy and it's like, it's, it's live. And so I use that to teach flanks, the circling, the walk in, the stop, the back up, uh, the move out away from stock while they flank and move closer, speed up, slow down. I do all that without sheep. And eventually, if, if we get to it, I teach how to shed, which is separating sheep and holding some apart. And I teach that with cone, a cone line and a tug. And then eventually I use like uh, dog crates, something bigger. Uh, Sally 
that I worked with from South Africa. She used barrels, 50 gallon barrels. And, um, you know, the, the dog learns to come through when you call him and then turn what direction your, your turn. So just basically trying to give the dog some idea when you say come by or you say, you know, back, they understand what you want before, you know, it's, it's tough enough when they're near the sheep to think much less if they have no idea what you're asking them to do. Yeah, definitely. It's really out of the box thinking. I love it. And you had written a few books on positive herding before you have written this latest enrichment games book, correct? Yes. Okay. And what were those? Just explain a little bit about those. Were they just two part series or how would people go to find those? Just tell our listeners and viewers a bit about that. Okay. They're Positive Herding 101 and 201. It started out as one book, but when it got to over 600 pages, I thought, oh, this is a little much. (laughs) So I split it into two. It takes in 30 years of my learning. It took five years of writing them. And um, so you can find them on Amazon, Dogwise, Clean Run, Barnes & Noble, uh, Walmart, pretty much anywhere. And it's just what I did was uh, I worked with a woman in South Africa named Sally. She contacted me. She had had Kay Lawrence there many years ago. And so she contacted Kay and wondered, you know, she wanted to do herding with her dog. And so Kay uh, gave her my name and she we hooked up. Uh, So she she wanted to start from using a puppy. And she was a very good positive trainer. She did it. agility and trick training, but she had never done any herding at all. And so she got, she was looking for a a herding puppy in her area, Border Collie. So she talked to all the local people that she had made contact with and no one had one. So she found an ad in the paper. And of course, every ad says from working lines. I mean, it just, you know that. So she calls this fella and he's like four hours away. And he says, well, all the pups are gone except one ugly half white face bitch. And she said, I'll take her. <laughs> and so that is how she picked her dog and started as a puppy. And so it, it grew from there. And we worked through Skype and email and YouTube. And she became South Africa Junior Reserve National Champion with this dog. Awesome. And so what was so cool is I never, you know, Ren is her dog. I never touched her. I never, you know, we're thousands of miles away, but she's an amazing person and, and she uh, has an amazing dog. So that's how kind of, then I, I got Sir, my youngest dog, but he's not so young anymore. He's eight, but I kept a journal. And uh, because I asked Sally, I'd say, well, how did we teach Ren this or so? And she said, I don't remember. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, somebody's got to write this down because that's the other thing I hear all the time is, well, I took my dog to a trainer and we did some stuff and I, you know, I didn't really like it. And on the way home, I thought there's got to be a way to do this positively. And I thought we can't all start to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. And plus most people aren't open handlers. They don't even know where they're going, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's pretty difficult for them to, you know, know which direction would be best to go. And, and I also would tell people, I would like to think of my books as not the last book on positive herding, but the first, because as Bob Bailey always says, when you finish training, you should think, well, how could I do it better? And that's like teaching the flanks in a new way in the latest book. 
oh, this is a better way. Let's let's do this. And plus, you have to adapt for every dog and for every handler. You know, that 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 comes in line with my thinking when you said it took five years to write the book. The What you wrote five years ago is already obsolete. It's, like you gotta, it's the last quarter of the book that's yeah. current. Yeah. And, uh, that's what I was going to ask. Are you, are you advancing still? Like, do you have uh, virtual students that you're working with still and everything? Are you, are, is kind of your method set in the way that you originally put it out or is it still evolving in different ways? Just touch on that a bit. I'm sure it's evolving uh, yeah. because even with this new book, uh, people have taken it and been so creative with the games. Yeah. Uh, it's like a woman in a wheelchair said, well, I figured out how to use it and, you know, how to play the games. And, you know, someone who one of the main uh, or the beginning games is get on base. And a woman said, well, I took my base to the vet with me and my dog was more comfortable. So I always am looking for ways to advance. Every time I'm working with my dogs, I'm, you know, well, how does this work? How could we do it better? What's and I did a workshop in Georgia and I'm doing one in New York this fall. And when I work with the dogs, you kind of look at what they're doing and then you say, well, what if we tried this? Would that set them up, you know, at a better place to start? Or how about this? And so it was interesting because, you know, for one one person, we were trying to teach her dog walk in. And so she would set her dog up about 20 feet from her and then she would go over and call her dog well the dog would run to her well we needed a nice pace you know mm -hmm. so I said okay well try leaning over and holding the tug so you're giving your dog a little bit different stimulus picture to look at well that sort of did it not so good so I said well we got a chair I said so you sit down in the chair well every time she'd go to sit down the dog would start coming in beautifully but she hadn't released the dog. So she would be like, oh, no, no, can't do that. So I said, after the third time, I said, now, listen, you're getting just what you want, the behavior you want, but you're going to lose it because you're not marking or reinforcing it. So I said, we're going to do this. The cue is going to be when you sit down. It's not going to be the release. And so I said, later, you can always add a new cue. Yeah. And so that's what she did. But Oh, this dog was just coming in so beautiful. And she's like, oh, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, that's what we You're want. You're missing your moment. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it, and one dog we had, when you put a tug down, it would run. But if you placed a big treat down, which it, you know, wasn't used to coming into a treat, it would come in nice and slow. So, yeah, I'd say I like to be creative and I'm just amazed what people think of, you know, and everybody is different and their experience and their dogs are all different and have different bases of knowledge. So I'm all for, you know, start here, but, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of ways to train herding and a lot of ways to train agility and everything else. So certainly there's going to be, you know, ways to adapt this. I sure hope so. Yeah. <laughs> But the possibilities are endless, depending a, on people's creativity. I have a question for you. Starting with a working um, border collie, what is the time frame, generally speaking, where you can get this dog on loose sheep? So well, you're working your foundation. What kind of time frame are we looking at? You know, I think that, of course, it depends. That's just obvious. generally, but, generally you speaking. You know, that's a big one. Um, I'd say... Like, I feel like if I got a puppy now, usually, traditionally, they don't put um, dogs on sheep till they're year old because they don't think they're grown, you know, developed enough mentally and physically. 
I don't know why you wouldn't be able to have a dog on sheet, loose sheet by then, mm-hmm. at least, or within another six months after that. 18 because, months or so. Yeah. Because yeah, I, you know, I learned so much with this first, you know, working with these dogs. And the thing is, like a lot of traditional trainers, they train a lot of dogs. I mean, they go through dogs like water. But I've had a friend who always wants to offer me a puppy. She said, well, just take it and work with it. And then give it back. It's like, I'm not going to, you know, put that put time, in. time yeah. in and get all attached to this dog. And so, um, you know, and I'm sure I'd get a wholly different dog than what I have now. So it'd be different. But um, I think, yeah, I think 18 months. As long as you're putting the foundation in and doing the steps yeah. appropriately. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be reasonable. Two years. And, you know, a lot of dogs don't even turn on that early. So. Yeah. You know, some are turned on like at eight weeks, I mean, (laughs) but others aren't. And so uh, I think if you're a good trainer, and I always say that the better trainer you are, you know, the less no reward markers or punishment. I I use no reward markers, but only for like if the dog lunges at the sheep, um, because there has to be some consequence because that's so inherently reinforcing, you know, do this. And it's the least punishing way I can come up with, but I, I really believe the better trainer you are, the least punishment, you know, the less you have to use until, because I've seen some really good trainers train like the Mondio ring and that, and they've got some really highly motivated, aggressive dogs and they've done amazing things, but they are, you know, probably a lot better trainer than I am. Well, definitely. Yeah. Well, and it just goes back to the foundation again, if, especially when yeah. we're talking about the high drive dogs and a high value sheep is high value. The protection suit is high value. There's a lot of high value there. I'm curious. I don't know if you've seen it, but have you seen the series muster dogs? I've seen a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah. it was, it was, I just was curious if you'd seen it. It's just kind of a wholesome um, little vibe for people that don't really understand, you know, what an actual working dog's life is like. And that's with Kelpies, not Border Collies. I think that first series, I was just curious if you'd seen it or not. They're clearly not all positive on that show, but overall it's not as hard and traditional as some herding has been. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. I watched a little bit, but, um, with everything with my books coming out and stuff, I've been more focused on that. And, um, no, I haven't really watched them specifically getting the priorities in order. Very good. Barbara, do you still compete now or are you mostly just teaching and writing? I mostly teach and write. I, I used to compete and one thing that's changed is in my area it used to be a lot of sheep dog trials and I don't really like, we have cattle here on the farm. Now I don't usually work my dog on cattle because, well, first of all, I kind of did a stupid thing when he was a puppy. I introduced him unknowingly to cattle. Um, I was teaching recalls and there's a place in the back where it's a road and it goes down and it's cut into the banks. So the banks are about 10 feet high. And I was, and it's shaded, it's beautiful. So I was working there. Well, then these cattle are right across the fence there. I didn't know they were there. Well, they came. And of course, this, you know, eight, 10 week old puppies looking up about 15 feet at these cattle. I think that kind of intimidated him. Yeah. And so, and, but the other thing is, so now, and I've had known of some people that their dogs have been killed by cattle. So I, I don't really use my dogs on cattle. And in this area, they've really gone to a lot of cattle trials. But the other thing is, if you want to be 
really into it, you you need to try a lot. And I just really enjoy working with my dogs. I mean, it, once I won this nice dog box, I, I said, well, what am I going to win that's better than this? <laughs> you know, and it just was like, I, I also, I love to geek out on behavior and that kind of stuff. So I've made more friends in that type of area in the dog world, in the positive dog training. And so, um, you know, I just, not that I don't have friends still in the herding world, but, uh, I, I know they think I'm completely crazy. They thought I was crazy before, but now they, you know, they absolutely know. <laughs> well, it's, it's hard to find, uh, sheep to work dogs on. I, I mean, when you look nationwide in this country, you need, uh, some land, you need sheep and it's nice to have sheep that are already dog wise so that they can actually take some young dogs and, and, and not do stupid crap that's going to throw the dog way off. And it's just not yeah. easy. It's not easy to find that. So it's neat if you can do something, you know, a lot of foundational work without the sheep. Because once um, they kind of know the game, you can you could have them herd chickens. You could have them herd all kinds of different animals, yeah. things that's that are easier to get your hands on yeah. and take up less right. space. Because really, right. you're into it for the training more than the trophies. So it doesn't have to be about sheep. And the cattle, they are much more aggressive. I mean, the cattle dogs are much tougher than the than the sheep herding dogs or the border collies, for example. You know, border collies are not stupid. They get kicked in the head once and they're like, this game sucks. <laughs> I'm not excited about this, you know? That's one thing about those Kelpies. I mean, one of those Kelpies went airborne and he was a little cattle shy for about 15 minutes. And then he's like, okay, I'm ready to go back in. I mean, there's not many dogs that are going to jump back in the game after getting kicked and going airborne, you know? Well, and I think with less sheep available, and Scott is right, I was herding, um, I don't know, five or six years ago, but I was driving two and a half hours in Massachusetts, you know, to go to Western Massachusetts. And I've asked around here and there's just not a lot in the New England area, especially, but the dogs still have, we all still get border collies, whether we're doing agility with them or not, they still have this natural herding instinct, right? So it's so nice for the dogs that have that innately in them to allow them to you know, access that and, you know, build on that and everything else. So yeah, if it now, starts with these foundational the, games, great. The majority of border collies that I run into are herding children at <laughs> kids' parties. <laughs> All the wrong and things. And everyone's upset about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you also find that the a lot of the agility dogs, to me, they've bred them in a different way. I mean, they tend to be tall and narrow-chested and, you know, they're, they're breeding for speed and it's probably not the best, you know, for the herding dog. Right. I don't, they're so good with them. As far as the border collies, they've got some tough lines that'll take that just like the Kelpies will. I mean, these guys and women that run the, the cattle dogs, you know, they're, they're tough. And, and a lot of dogs can work sheep and cattle, but um, if you're going to work cattle a lot and use them on a daily basis, you need a pretty, pretty tough dog. Yeah. You know, or you got to hobble the cattle, one or the yeah. other. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask, and outside of methodologies, balanced or positive or anything else, what do you think the A number one place we can improve in the sport of herding and the discipline of herding is? What do you see as like the most common mistake that people are kind of making across the board? In herding, just in general. In traditional herding? Yeah, in all herding, whether they're doing it. Yeah, I guess traditional because the positive herding wouldn't be making the same mistake. <laughs> well, the thing that my big grief or bugaboo is 
when I was taught hurting by this man, he was, he was really good um, stockman. And I say, we don't have herding trials anymore. We have handler trials because these people go out and they, if you listen to their whistles, it's like you're in a jungle. It's whistle, 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 whistle. And they're really telling that dog every step to take, every move to make, how fast to take it, when to stop, when to turn. And it's not just, you know, once in a while, it's now, 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 now. And they're so precise. And what I learned is, you let the dog use its ability and you set a, a line and the dog learns to hold that line. And yes, if the stock starts to go off, you correct, you know, you help the dog, but generally you want the dog to use their abilities. And that's what I really loved about the dogs is seeing them use their ability because it's so amazing. And so that's, I guess, my big thing I don't like about trialing, whether, however you're doing it is, I think it's gotten too much to be it's they're so precise that the dogs you have to have a certain dog that really will let you handle them every step of the way and so it makes it i like to see the dogs do more themselves and so some of the trials are set up more as a uh, what i want to say not practical more practical yeah. so that they're not you know well this line you know isn't exact and it's it's a little more uh, you know what you'd normally do with a dog but i love to see the dogs use their ability yeah, not taking too much power from the dog. That's interesting. I just wondered your way in there. Is there anything else we missed as far as your books or your methodology or uh, seminars that are upcoming for you just that you wanted to tell people about? Yeah, the book's out. Um, the two herding books are out. Um, uh, the Enrichment Game book is out. And uh, it's something that I think a lot of people, if they're unsure, they could do that with their dog uh, before they jump into the herding book. The herding book books are much more, I'd say, detailed. And there's like a lot of uh, learning theory in them. And the Enrichment Games book is more user-friendly, I'd say. It's for pet owners or advanced people. There's different things in there that um, I think most people haven't seen uh, different games that they can play. And uh, so, I don't know. It's just it's been kind of fun to see the difference. The people that have been into the herding books have been more uh, looking to compete eventually. And the people in the enrichment game book are more looking to do something fun with their dogs and, you know, build some skills, maybe some uh, self-control and build their relationship. And so it's interesting. The feedback I get on the herding books is more, well, does this work? And how do you do this? And on the enrichment games book it's oh this is so cool because you know we did this and it's better than fetch and and they're just happy just to be doing it, it there's like no worry about competing because you know there aren't any competitions for enrichment games yeah well and i'm glad you touched on that with the self-control aspect because as i was leafing through it last night i mean when you mention agility dogs while they're built differently a lot of these dogs are way over aroused and have a really hard time with you know whether it be trial stress or just the over arousal of equipment maybe their foundation was off too so all of those games would transfer beautifully towards them as well just to get in a more thinking brain and start processing better and have a better working relationship with the handler as well. It's not just specific to people who are just pet people that want a little something else or just hurting that, that, that book is good for all eye arousal dogs for sure. Yeah, right. And so we've got a lot of good foundation stuff that I was surprised that some people have, you know, said, Oh, I do agility, obedience and rally. And then they show me a video and it's like, well, I think you need some foundation skills yeah. here. 
Yeah. I like yeah. that um, a lot of these enrichment games, not that I've gone through the book, but they're interactive. Yeah. So you're building engagement at the same time. Because a lot of people these days, enrichment means they buy them a puzzle full of food and the dog goes over and just starts scratching at this thing for 20 minutes until all the food's out of it. There's no engagement. The dog is just, their energy is completely off of the handler. And they yeah. keep, and then they get a snuffle mat, and then they do, they stick peanut butter on the wall, and they're doing all this stuff that's supposed to be. It kind of falls under this enrichment baloney uh, to me. Whereas the biggest problem people have, and I'm thinking about pet owners because I do a lot of pet obedience, is that complete lack of engagement. The dog is completely checked out; it has no interest in the, the owner. Is the most boring human in the area, you know. So it's nice if you can get them to, to see the owner and, and they're building value in their relationship when they're working together. So then now they can become teachable because if you don't have their attention, you don't, you don't have anything. And even if you're, it doesn't matter what tools you're using, whether it's enrichment games or compulsive tools, it's the same thing. If they don't care, they don't care. You take those tools off, the dog is gone again because they don't care, you know? Yeah. No, there's a lot of team building. And uh, again, I was really impressed with how advanced a lot of the exercises were. I've been training dogs for decades and I was like, oh, I love that. Like that, there's some sexy stuff in the book. It's not just like, you know, point and shoot and teach a little sit stay. So I'm really impressed with it. And if you guys are in any discipline on dogs, um, I would highly recommend you check it out. And then are you going to be anywhere in person, any seminars or anything coming up that people should know about? Yeah, I'll be in New York state, upstate New York near Albany, um, September, I think it's the weekend 22nd, 23rd, 24th, I'm doing a herding workshop two days, and then I'm doing an enrichment games workshop the, on the Sunday. So it's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Okay, Sunday. great. Perfect. And we'll put links in the show notes and stuff of how you guys can reach Barbara. But thank you so much for joining us. And thank you so much for what you're doing for the dog community, really. Like, this yeah. is some really cool out-of-the-box thinking. And it, it's important. If people do want to do herding, the access to sheep is a problem in and of itself. So the more foundation that you can teach away and bring these great skills to your herding instructor, the, easiest, the easier the journey is going to be for all parties, I feel. So thank you for the work you've done. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Anything else, Vinny? No, no. It sounds good. So you're going to bring all the sheep with you up to upstate New York? <laughs> they have sheep. Oh, it's they perfect. There you good. go. Great. Yeah. Great. Cool. Sounds all right. Good. Thank you so, so much for joining us. You guys, we will see you next Wednesday. We're almost heading into October. Thank you so much for joining us again, Barbara. And be sure to check out her links in the description. And in the meantime, you guys, also the enrichments games, I can't even talk about those enough. And in the meantime, keep it quirky. Thanks, Barbara. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.